The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hi Krishna everyone, you're listening to The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here with Devashish Prabhu. Devashish Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure to be with you. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Devashish Prabhu is a um, member of Sri Chaitanya Saraswat Mutt, which is a uh, society that's uh, basically like a cousin society of uh, what we know as ISKCON. Uh, it's the uh, society of Srila uh, Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Maharaj, who Devashish Prabhu is a disciple of. And the way I met Devashish Prabhu first was in, I believe it was 2014, um, was the opening of their center near the Heathrow Airport. And so Devashish Prabhu kindly invited uh, ISKCON devotees, which included my father-in-law, Krupa Moya Prabhu. So I tagged along and I, I was very much impressed by the devotees there. Uh, including Devashish Prabhu and also a few others there, and uh, developed a relationship. And um, here we are, and, I, and I'm so glad that he was able to join today to tell us a little bit more about his background and also his relationship with uh, Srila Sridhar Maharaj, because we don't know so much about him. Uh, we haven't heard so much uh, in the sense of direct um, disciples and also uh, direct experience of him. So maybe we can, uh, you know, unpack that today. But uh, Devashish Prabhu, maybe we can start with your background of uh, how you came in contact. Well, first of all, your upbringing, where you where you kind of grew up, and also how you came in contact with uh, Krishna consciousness. Sure. So um, I grew up in a little town called Hereford, which is on the border of Wales, and um, it's kind of if people um, in cow farming circles, it's quite famous. The Hereford bull is quite famous, or perhaps in Vaisnav circles, infamous. But um, but anyway, small town that produces um, cattle and produces cider, apple uh, alcoholic apple cider. It's famous for that also. Um, it's a kind of rural town, um, farming town, and uh, I grew up there. And when I was about 14 years old, my my friend, very close friend, his mother died suddenly of cancer. And uh, they, the doctors had misdiagnosed everything. They didn't they weren't able to understand, you know, what was happening till the last moment she died. Long story short. Anyway, he was inconsolable. We had a we had a friend who was a kind of a a hippie guru type friend who lived in the vicinity um, that we used to uh, buy things from him sometimes. <laughs> he, but we kind of considered him like a guru, and his name was Bamboo because he played a bamboo flute. <laughs> and uh, and we, you know, as we thought of him like a kind of guru figure, we went to uh, see him. We all thought, you know, like how can we help our friend? whose mother just died, you know, let's take him to see Bamboo and he'll be able to, like, give him some words of wisdom, some comfort like this. So we went, he lived down on this, like, uh, a caravan site near the river in this caravan with his wife and his two kids. And uh, 
and we went in and we saw him and you know um we smoked some pot and we we talked and and then he said okay i have something for you to my friend ian and uh he went to this cupboard and he opened the cupboard and he brought out this big like tome in a in a silk cloth and he unwrapped it and he opened it up and he started reading for the soul there's never birth nor death nor having once been does he ever cease to be he's unborn he's eternal he's not slain when the body's slain and we were all like and of course, it was Srila Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, as it is, which he held in great reverence, despite who else he may have been. And uh, and he wrapped it back in the cloth and he gave it to my, this is for you, he gave it to my friend. So <clears throat> and my friend, he kind of like got into the whole Hare Krishna thing for a while, you know, and then and he was visiting Bhaktivedanta Manor and uh, and. I was kind of a, not so much into it at that time, but then I got a, I got um, uh, a project I had to do at school for sociology. We had to do some, we had to do a project on some kind of social phenomenon, and so I thought, hey, let me do a project on the Hare Krishna movement, and um, so I, you know, bought lots of books on Hinduism and you know like this, and I and my friend Ian who'd been to the manor, he had a few books from the temple there. So, you know, he gave those to me and I made this project. And by the way, I got like a hundred percent credit for it because no one had ever covered it before. You know, it was the, it was the communist party or this thing, you know, like some other thing. But, right. So I, I covered that. And as part of that, I went to the manor for the weekend to, you know, just like see what it was all about firsthand. So this was, I don't know, maybe 1976 or something like this. You know, I went there, as I say, just a school kid in my school holiday with my with my friend. And when I got there, I thought um, I I liked it. But I thought these people are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They, you know, they gave us some beads to chant on and they gave us, you know, like and we just slept outside what was Srila Prabhupada's rooms in the corridor there in our sleeping bag and I remember waking up in the morning and thinking I'd woken up in a beehive because all you could do was kind of buzzing noise and which I then realized with devotees chanting and walking up and down and you know okay so anyway we stayed there a few days got lots of books met lots of devotees but some of the things that they told me, like one of the devotees was telling me uh, about Sanatana Goswami and his touchstone. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, these guys, they believe in touchstones. They're like really crazy. You know, that was my <laughs> takeaway from that. You know, not not the the story that, that went along with that. And uh, and then another and another devotee said to me, hey, like, why didn't you just stay here? And I said, well, we're going back to school next week. He said... He said, no, don't go back to school. It's just like a slaughterhouse. The school is a slaughterhouse. Okay. And he, said, yeah, he said, uh, um, and your friends and your family, they're just demons. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought, he's never met my friends or my family. How, did he, how would he know that? And, uh, and you know, I, coming from, you know, no kind of, background in devotion or anything like that my 
idea of demons of people with horns and you know pitchforks and and tails and you know like from Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something. You know, <laughs> then so then I left there with a whole bundle of stuff, but thinking, wow, that you know I'm I, I'm never going there again. You know, like that's the end of that. Like what a bunch of crazies they are. You know. So anyway, I returned home and. And that, then I'm, I'm like, I'm just reading books all the time, anything I can get my hands on. And I was, I was really interested in, in spirituality, you know, like I was raised as a Christian, but like rejected that as more or less nonsense. And then, uh, and then I started looking into Zen and Buddhism and all kinds of different things. And my English teacher, actually, she gave me, a book of Srila Prabhupada, Isha Panishad, Sri Isha Panishad. That was in my bookshelf. And um, just like I ran out of things to read. So then I started reading that. And when I started reading that, it was like, wow. Like every page was like, wow. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Like everything was like kind of resonating with me. And I was thinking, are these, the, is this the same? <laughs> that i went to is this the same thing like you know that anyway then i i had those beads i started chanting on those beads you know and then i remember and my friend ian who was you know originally he wasn't he kind of like drifted from he wasn't interested so much in that anymore you know but we used to go you know because um we, we used to go out on a friday and saturday night and uh and to go to the town from where we were there was like a disused railway line and we used to cycle down there on our bicycles. And I just get everybody chanting and we'd all be chanting Hare Krishna as we're going down on our bicycles into town. And, and I'm just chanting on these beads, you know, like, and then one of my friends said to me one night, he said, Hey, you know, you know, isn't it right that you, you know, if you're chanting, Hare, you shouldn't be drinking and you shouldn't be smoking pot and you shouldn't be doing these things you know and i said yeah it's right it's true but i was kind of attached to all of that you know and it, of course it was my the social circle that i moved in also that's what they were into so then then i was praying to lord krishna oh krishna please uh, i know it's wrong to do these things and offensive but just you know like if you need to punish me for that okay punish me but don't let me stop chanting Hare Krishna. I just have to keep on chanting, you know, and then and just chanting, 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 and reading books, and like sometimes meeting devotees in the town, and you know, getting another book, and then I started corresponding with one of the devotees at uh, at the manor, and um, and then I, I, when I finished school, I went to um, I was visiting the temple regularly by then, and then I I was also I was studying for. Um, uh, an art a degree in in fine art and um like halfway through i just decided i'm going to go and join the temple much to the much to the you know dismay of my mother and father wow so so i was like 17 then and i, I you know i just decided i'm going to join and this, and I, I i joined actually i joined in 1977 just just after Srila Prabhupada's disappearance at Bhaktivedanta Manor. And I'm kind of coming and going, you know, and like joining and then running away and then coming back and, you know, and, then, 
And actually, when I first joined, I didn't know because nobody, I guess it was so raw, nobody spoke about Srila Prabhupada's disappearance. So I just thought he's like, he's still there, you know. And then, uh, and then I remember asking one of the devotees, like, so when's Prabhupada coming? And they said, oh, no, he passed away earlier this year. And I was like, oh, I was like, I kind of like fell out of a tree or something. You know, then, uh, oh, it was a, like a shock to me. But, you know, I had to deal with that. And, right. and, um, and so anyway, I was initiated by one of the new gurus, the 11, one of the 11. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I served and I served at first at the manor and, and then later at, Chaitanya College, which was a big stately home that they bought, excuse me, in the early 80s, but were unable to maintain that um, eventually. But anyway, and I lived there, and uh, and the um, the guru that I was initiated by, he when he would come, he would ask me to help him with his puja in the morning. So I would help him with his puja, and, and um, while he's doing his puja, he was playing these tapes. Of, of this some Vaishnava, you know, and I was hearing all these things and I'm thinking, who's that? And I asked him, who's that? Who's, who's that on that tape? And he said, oh, that's Srila Sridhar Maharaj, Prabhupada's godbrother. And I said, oh, okay. Never really thought much about that. But anyway, there was a, you know, he was visiting Srila Sridhar Maharaj and, you know, like um, taking him, taking Shiksha from him. And so, you know, there were some uh, political or, you know, upheaval events around 1982, as you may know the history. But, you know, there was like a kind of an exodus of devotees who went to, who went to India with, right. with him, that guru, and, and ended up at the ashram of Srila Sridhar Maharaj. So by, just by circumstance, I didn't go with that main, like, uh, throng of devotees so um and i had some let's say a disagreement with one of the leaders there at that time and they said no you can't come you have to go home to your parents so, which i did and my mother thought i'd gone crazy because i just was sitting in my room like crying all day, all day. <laughs> and, uh, thinking oh you know oh i can't go back to iskon i can't i can't go with my guru to india then like my spiritual life's over for this life. They say you could. You they said you couldn't come because you had some disagreement with them. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, with one of the leaders there. Mm -hmm. I won't go into that. That's a whole other thing. Sure, but, sure. No, you don't need to. But um, you know, I I I thought that some of their philosophy was not correct. You know, I've been reading Sri Prabhupada's books since I was fourteen, and by this time, I'd like read all of them. And uh, and they were saying some like well, actually offensive things, and I and I objected to that. Mm. You know, I don't know why. I you know, I was just a kid, and I wasn't really particularly brave. But it just raised something in me that I couldn't agree with, and I right. just said, "Okay, where do you find this in the in Prabhupada's books? These things that you're saying, where do you find them?" Mm. And uh, and he and that fellow said, "Okay." We'll talk about this later, and he carried on with his with his little diatribe at that time. And then afterwards, he called me to like what he made his office at this place we were staying, 
And he said, I'm not going to send you to India with the, the other devotees. Here's your train fare, like, get out, basically. So, oh, my gosh. So, which is what I did. But one of the devotees, who I didn't even really know at that time, he sent me a telegram. There's no internet. There's, like, we didn't have a telephone in my mother's house. You know, there was, like, so if you wanted to contact someone quickly, it was a telegram. So... He sent me, a, I got this telegram. My mother said, oh, this telegram's come for you. So I open it up and it says, come to London. I've got you a ticket for India. Wow. And, you know, and ring this number. So, I, you know, so he'd, he'd witnessed that kind of altercation I'd had with that devotee. And, um, and he went out and just on the street and collected money and bought me a ticket to India. Like, I don't know like how or why or even anything you know but you know so i went to london got the ticket and i came to india um, and came to the mosque and at that time all the other devotees they were kind of already wherever they were in the in the mosque in fact sri Maharaj had told them you can't stay here basically because like over a hundred devotees there and she was she said when there's so many people, I get besides myself. That was his act. <laughs> I, I can't deal with so many people. So right. he said, you may say Sri Maharaj is very cruel, but you're going to have to live somewhere else. So, wow. One devotee had given, had donated some land to Sri Maharaj about three miles from the temple, the mosque in Navabi. And so all the men were staying in there. They'd made this big kind of makeshift pandal, and all the men were staying there. And... Uh, so, and I came, you know, as I say, like some days later, and I was given a room in the, in the mont. And uh, so then I, <laughs> after a few days, some of the people who were in charge from, you know, from our side, they were saying, well, you've got to move down with the other devotees down on the land there. You know, you can't stay here. So, and I, I should say just before that, 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 you know, when I arrived there, one of Shilashridhar Maharaj's senior brahmacharis, he took me to meet Shilashridhar Maharaj. So, like my first meeting, and I was kind of almost shaking. I was so much in awe of this yeah. person, you know. Then uh, when I went up there, he was just sitting there, and they introduced me to him. And my first impression was, like, just how human he was. You know, mm -hmm. like... Have you got a mosquito net? Have you got a, you know, mattress? Have you taken prashadam? You know, they're giving you, you know, like just, and no airs and graces, no kind of holier than thou sitting on a pedestal or anything. Just very human and, and you know, his dealings were just very normal, which was kind of a little bit of a shock to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't my experience with, you know, other gurus at that time. So I have, question. I have a question. So, yeah. uh, you your first experience was hearing that tape while you were, you know, yeah. doing that seva. Uh, but then, how did you know more about him, or you didn't know more about him before you met him? I didn't know anything about him, actually. You know, wow. I was just going to be with my guru. That right. was my thought. You know, so right. I, so I went there. But after arriving there, I'm thinking, wow. You know, like after a few days, I'm thinking, wow, all those things that I read in Srila Prabhupada's book, they're not just things that happen in the distant past. They're like, it's happening now and it's happening here. 
Mm. That was my feeling, you know, like, and, and, um, okay, I didn't know who Solitude Armage was, and I couldn't really understand much, like, what he was saying or anything, you know. Then, uh, then, as I say, one, these devotees, they were saying, you've got to go and stay down on the land with the other devotees. So, so I went down to check it out in this pandal, and it was like a vision of hell, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. They were all, all the devotees there, they were all fighting with each other, you know, and, uh, oh, it was awful. And it was so hot. It was like going into an oven when you went in, inside there. Because it was all, like, cloth sack and um, corrugated iron and, you know, like, oh, a makeshift kind of place. And one of my godbrothers, I found him, like, lying in a pool of mud outside, just, like, to be, to get some kind of cool... Oh like lying in a gumshoe in, in mud and he and he said to me he looked up and he said I just want to go home I just want to go <laughs> and uh, I thought there's no way I'm staying here like I I don't know I haven't got any money I haven't got any but I'm not staying here and uh, so I went back up to the mart and I just like I don't know why but I just walked up to Srila Sridharmaraj's room and he was there talking with a few devotees and I asked him Maharaj, would it be okay if I stay here? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and he said, yes, you can stay here. Yes, if you want to, you can stay here. Okay, so that was it. And and there was a, like a guest house being built at that time, but it was completely unfinished. So I found a room. It had no, it had no floor. It was just bare brick. It hadn't been finished or anything. And I put a mattress down. I got a mosquito net. I strung that up. The mosquito net was more holes than net, and uh, but somehow I'm, you know, man, there's no electricity. There's no running water in that in that room. It, like nothing at all, you know. But I just thought this is better than staying down there. <laughs> so, and every day, every day they would come up from the land and meet all the devotees because the the householder devotees they were staying in what we used to call the blue house, which was the house where Srila Prabhupada stayed when he came to visit Guru Maharaj. Mm. Most of the householders were staying there with their children and so on, you know. So they'd all meet up at the mart and they'd all go on Sankirtan, Nagar Sankirtan, down into Navadweep. And, uh, and oh, it was, that was kind of bizarre. It was a really bizarre kind of Sankirtan. And I used to think, what do the people of Navadweep think of that? I can't imagine. But anyway, so I, after the first one, when they would come up, I'd hide until they were gone so I didn't have to go with them. But kind of feeling really guilty about it. But but once they were gone, I'd go upstairs and sit with Sri Sridharmaraj. And he, there would be some, like, sannyasis would be there discussing things with him, you know, and um, some Iskon sannyasis, some Godiam Mok sannyasis, and different... People would come and Guru Maharaj would be speaking. And I would just like sit in the background and listen to him. And uh, and then the, when the Sankirtan party came back, one day when the Sankirtan party came back, as was Guru Maharaj's habit, that if any Sankirtan party would come towards the mosque, whatever he was doing, he would stop and he would go to his balcony at the front and he would make his pranam and say some prayers to the Sankirtan party, you know, so they came up, and uh, so Maharaj was speaking, 
and he stopped and he came and he's making his pranam and he's listening to their chanting. And uh, then he sat down and he said, if the leader of the Sankirtan party is not a Shuddha Bhakta, it may just be Namaparad. Wow. <laughs> and then he carried on with his talk. And, uh, and after hearing that, I thought, okay, now I don't feel bad about not going with them on their Sankirtan party. Wow. But anyway, not to, I mean, they were trying to do something. But anyway. Right. So, I, you know, every day this was my, I would sit there with them. But then um, that, uh, my guru at that time, he wants to make some, like, preaching pamphlets. And he knew that I had some background in graphic design and art and all these things. So he asked me if I would design it and go to Calcutta for, for you know, composing it. So, okay, I went to Calcutta. There was no, we didn't. There was no branch of Chaitanya Sarojot Mott in Calcutta at that time. Mm -hmm. So I stayed. I stayed in a hotel, and myself and two other devotees, we like put this with the printer. We put this these two pamphlets together, and um, and literally then it was you know like typesetting letter by letter in a block, and you know like it was before any kind of computerized digital printing or anything like that. So, you know, it took a little while to put everything together. But then the first the first things came off the, uh, you know, the, the first proofs came up from the press. And I was really excited with, about them. And so I rushed back to Navadweep. I got the last train back to Navadweep. And I arrived at the Mott probably about 11 or 11.30 at night. I came in. And that, um, um, my guru then, Maharaj, he was uh, uh, still up. In, staying in his room with some of his um, associates. And I went in and I told him I had the proofs. So we started looking over the proofs. Gradually, everyone else, they all disappeared. And uh, and it was just he and I. And then, you know, he's making some alterations, like corrections, adding this, taking this away, and like this. And then, just like he turned to me, and he took my hands, and he said to me, Prabhu, I want you to know something about me. And I'm like, yes, Gurudev. And he said, I want you to understand that I'm a crazy man and that tomorrow I could run off with some woman. And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, oh, he's so humble. And he was a humble Vaishnava, there's no question about that. But he said, but now you've come to the lotus feet of Srila Sridhar Maharaj. He's the real thing. He's, he's like a real Vaishnava. So I want you to make a promise to me now that whatever happens, that you'll stay with Srila Sridhar Maharaj. Wow. And I, I'm like, yes, Gurudev, of course. And he said, no, promise me. And I said, okay, Maharaj, I promise you. And I really didn't think any more about that at all. And But then a little while later, that um, Guru, that Maharaj, he, he fell down and, and left devotional service. And of course, as soon as that happened, that just came ringing in my head. You know, you promise me that you'll stay with Shudamaraj. He's the real thing. Then that's exactly what I did. So, you know, then I, uh, I wrote uh, to Shudamaraj, not, not just me, but a few of, of us, previous disciples who also were of the same mind. We wrote to him and asked him, you know, will you accept us as your disciples? And, and he wrote back, actually, 
and I still have that letter here somewhere that say, and says that uh, you should think, he said, first of all, you should not think in any disparaging way towards your guru, but rather you should think if he's having some difficulty and leaving the line, that is due to taking sinful disciples like you. And, you know, you should, yeah, you should think in this way. And and if anyone will, if anyone makes any, you know, like disparaging remarks or, you know, like, um, you know, thinks that it's funny or any of these things, he said, then we cannot guarantee that the same fate will not happen to them. Then he said, so, then he said, Brahmananda Bharati, Mahaprabhu would not recognize him when he was wearing the deer skin. But as soon as he removed the deer skin and wore the, again the, uh, the dress of a Vaishnava, then Mahaprabhu accepted him as his guru. Then, uh, then um, in the same way, this devotee, now he's wearing the deer skin of intoxication. We don't recognize him. But if again he'll leave that and take up the practices pure, of pure devotion, we must accept him. So then, and some other things, he said, you know, then if you cannot offer your food to him like this, you can offer to Nityananda Prabhu. He's the general representation of Gurudev and like this, and gave some mantra for worshipping Nityananda Prabhu, offering food to Nityananda Prabhu. And then he told then uh, uh, now, now wait and see. You wait and see. And we had to wait for one year. And after one year, when it was clear that he would not return, then Srila Sridhar accepted us as his disciples, those of us that wanted that. So. And were, and you, were you in India throughout this time, or were, did you come no, back? I, I came, I, at that time, I'd come back to London. And okay. we were in, I was in London. And, you know, there was a, you know, once all of the, um, you know, the controversy had come to light and we found out that he'd fallen. And so there were like maybe four kind of groups sprang up at that time. There were those, those who said, who said like, you know, well, whatever he does is Leela. We're just going to follow him, you know, no matter what. And they, right. and they did that. Then there were those who said, okay. We're going back to ISKCON, and they went back to ISKCON. And then there was a third party that said, forget it. Not, don't want anything to do with this Hare Krishna business anymore. And they just left altogether. And then there were a few of us who had decided we would want to hear from Srila Sridhar and, and try and take shelter of him. So that's what we did. And then, uh, you know, in 1983, um, we were initiated by him. And we opened our first center in London. We asked the Sridhar can we open a center in your name in London? And his reply was, my Guru Maharaj wanted me to preach in London, but I was not able to go. But uh, still I consider London my place of service. So if you can make some center in London in the name of Sri Chaitanya Sarasadma, I will consider this a, a great service to my Guru Maharaj, Shilabhaktisiddhanta Sarabhati Thakur. Wow. So we tried. We tried to do that. And, you know, we've had a center in London since that time, 1983, at different locations. And, uh, you know, I was involved with that right from the beginning. Um, 
Approximately I, how many people were in that group of devotees who, you know, that you said the four groups, there was one group that's, that went to Sridhar Maharaj? You know, maybe 10 or 20 okay. in, in London. No, others mm -hmm. around the world, but in London, right. or maybe 10 or 20 devotees. Right. Maybe more, but um, and a, a hardcore, you can say, maybe six to 10 that were, were, were staying in, that, in this building where, that we had, this house. But wanted to make a center in the name of Guru Maharaj. A lot of the devotees were married and had families and, you know, like had to do their own thing. But I was not married at that time. So, you know, I didn't have any other, um, anything else to do in my life, you know, or any other obligations in my life. So I tried to be part of that. And, uh, yeah, so, and every year I would go and stay with Sridhar Maharaj after that. And some, Sometimes it was just a few weeks, and sometimes it might have been some months. Like maybe the longest time I stayed in one in one go was like six months. So, and so from 1982 until uh, his passing in 1988, I would spend every year, some time every year there with him. Wow. What was the? Um, I know there was there was an unfortunate time in ISKCON when the leaders of ISKCON felt that um, Srila Sridhar Maharaj was a threat to them. And so there was a kind of like a widespread um, kind of like villainization of his of him and his character and everything like that. What When was that and what were you doing during that time or had you already completely left by that time? Yeah, I mean, it was around beginning about that time 1982 onwards and okay. um, um initially the the leaders of iskon came to Srila Sridhar Maharaj for advice as Srila Prabhupada had advised them and you know it's a it's a on record that Srila that Srila Prabhupada told his uh, leading disciples if you need to and to consult with anyone on philosophy and so on you can go to my god brother Sridhar Maharaj and of course, and Srila Guru Maharaj was very much um, wanted to help the devotees there um, and wanted to help Iskon because he has so much um, admiration and regard for Srila Prabhupada's preaching. And, you know, their, their relationship was very close. I mean, if you read Satsarup Maharaj's um, uh, Prabhupada Lilamrita in the first volume, A Lifetime in Preparation. There, you know, Srila Prabhupada says very clearly from our very first meeting, I knew Sridhar Maharaj is a pure devotee of Krishna. And and Guru Maharaj, meaning Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, he wanted and and Krishna, he and Krishna wanted that Sridhar Maharaj would prepare me. Something like that. I mean, I mean, I can't remember the exact quote, but something to that effect. And you know, then their relationship was very close. You you may or may not know, but the very first branch of Chaitanya Sarasat Mott in Calcutta was in the house of Srila Prabhupada at Sita Kanta Banerjee Lane. Mm. So at that time, Prabhupada was, you know, working as a chemist and um, and he had a three-story um, three building and on the ground floor was his living quarters. And uh, on the um, the first floor, which 
we say the first floor, I think you say the second floor, but um, um, was vacant. And then there was his laboratory. So the vacant part, he offered that to Srila Sridhar Maharaj to be a branch of Chaitanya Sarasatma in Calcutta, which Srila Sridhar Maharaj accepted. And he had two or three brahmacharis would stay there all the time. And he also would come and stay there sometimes. But he sent Govinda Maharaj, Srila Govinda Maharaj, who is his successor. And Srila Govinda Maharaj was Gorendu Brahmachari at that time. And he came to Srila Sridhar Maharaj in 1947 and uh and more or less within a week of shilashidamaj meeting with him he considered this boy will be my successor in the future so anyway he sent him to calcutta to learn sanskrit there was one of his disciples was a sanskrit teacher in calcutta so he sent um gorendu brahmachari to calcutta and he stayed in shilaprabhupada's house and he said, oh, he's Abhai Babu, as they called him in those days. Abhai Babu, he's making a commentary on Bhagavad Gita. You can learn Gita from him. So every day um, he would meet with, with Srila Prabhupada and they would discuss Bhagavad Gita. And, uh, and then he would go you know, for his studies. And Srila Prabhupada would... Uh, make him take breakfast, they would take breakfast together. And Srila Govinda Maharaj said, I'm just a, like a village boy. And my breakfast is muri, you know, like puffed rice. I like muri and with a little sugar and maybe one rasagula, and they kind of mix it all together. But Prabhupada used to laugh at him and say, you know, that is nothing there. It's just cheating the stomach. It's just air, <laughs> you know, like puffed rice. There's nothing there. Then he'd say, then, you know, he would tell his wife, like, give him kachori, give him luchi, give him, you know, like, aludam. These are the things that Srila Prabhupada had, used to have for breakfast. So, right. Like this. Anyway, they would, then he would go for his studies during the day and come back in the evening. And, uh, and at that time, when there were a few publications of Chaitanya Sarasatma, and so Govinda Maharaj would go out um, for preaching, you know, like for distributing these the literatures and then the, when they were run out Srila Prabhupada would tell him oh I have this back to Godhead magazine that I pr print you can distribute that so actually Srila Govinda Maharaj he was the first distributor of back to Godhead magazine wow. other than Srila Prabhupada and wow. he, would, yeah, he would go and distribute that and he told us yeah Prabhupada he's like his living style he said it was like a print Everything was always like first class or standard class, never below that. He would never accept anything below that. And he said, and his fervor for preaching, he said, I never met anyone in my life with so much like fervor to preach about Krishna consciousness. And he said, and he had, because of through his business contacts, he said he had very high class friends, you know, who moved in a very kind of high class society. And he said he would arrange like a, programs at their homes and he said and he would take me because I, he was Govinda Maharaj as a brahmachari he was wearing saffron and uh, he would say he would make me give the talk you know the Bhagavatam read the Bhagavatam said but he would give me the seat and make me read the Bhagavatam because uh, of the red cloth they uh, you know in India they respect that he said but he would explain everything I would read and then he would explain everything 
and uh yeah so th this way then you know then uh many stories i could tell you about that but perhaps we don't have time for that right now but you know there's so and Shilashida Maharaj, he would come and stay um with Prabhupada. So they had this very close association for you know more than 10 years. And um and actually Srila Prabhupada paid for the first publication in Bengali of Prapanajivan Amritam, which you may know is the the, the book which Shilashida Maharaj wrote about Sharanagati. And uh and um Srila Prabhupada met, um, got his sister, or you know, um, Pishima um, Bhavantari uh, Devi, to to fund that, to pay for that book to be published. The first publication was funded by her, and she also she was a she's a disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, but she hadn't taken se second initiation, so she asked Srila Sridhar for second initiation. But at that time. Shilashidamaj wasn't taking any disciples. He wouldn't take any disciples. So then uh, um, he told her, "You can go to Madhav Maharaj, and he can he can give you." So, and then later, of course, Srila Prabhupada, when he decided he wanted to leave family life and take um, sannyas, he came to Shilashidamaj to ask for sannyas, and and Shilashidamaj said, "If I give you that." then your family will be very angry with me because he knew them all very intimately, of course. So I don't feel that it would be appropriate for me to give you sannyas. But I already gave sannyas to Keshav Maharaj, so my man the mantra is with him. So if you take sannyas from him, it'll be the same as taking the mantra from me. And that's, of course, what Srila Prabhupada did. He took sannyas from Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj. Who already was a sannyasi from Srila Sridharmaj, although he was senior to Srila Sridharmaj in the mission. Right. In, in fact, many, most of the senior disciples of Saraswati Thakur, after Saraswati Thakur's disappearance, they all, more or less, all accepted Srila Sridharmaj as the as the um, head of the of the Gaudiya mission after mm -hmm. after Prabhupada, Saraswati Thakur. Could you tell us some stories that from 82 or 83 to 88 that stand out to you um, from visiting Srila Sridhar Maharaj? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's so much. I'm sure there's so much to, to, yeah. to unpack there. But I mean, at, at that time, Srila Sridhar Maharaj more or less never left the temple. He never went out. He never accepted invitations to go anywhere. He never went for preaching. He just stayed there, and you know, uh, was very much absorbed in his own bhajan and you know, discussing the scripture with the devotees and so on. But some uh, standout things I can remember. One was when he did leave the temple one one time, and that was to see that land. You know that I told you about before, where the devotees. Yeah. So after that was all um, gone, then that land was used for cultivation for the temple there. You know, so they used to grow vegetables and fruits and you know so many things there. Then, and uh, and Shilashidamaj, he used to call it the land of nectar. That was his like name for it. The actual it was actually number two Goranga colony was the actual address. But um, but so one day he wants to go to see that place. So there were just a few of us. 
at that time. And so Guru Maharaj called myself and my godbrother, Gorcharan Prabhu, who's also from England. And he asked, do either of you drive? And I didn't drive. And Gorcharan Prabhu, he also didn't have a driving license, but he said, I've driven tractors you know, on the farm. And, uh, and so Guru Maharaj said, okay, that'll do. <laughs> so they, had, they bought the car and the temple had a little ambassador, white ambassador car. They bought that round, and Guru Maharaj went into the car, and um, Gorchampuru drove him down to down to the land of nectar. I guess it's about three miles drive or something like that. So we went there. I tagged along as well, and when we got there, they opened the gates and came in. There were a few couple of brahmacharis staying there, and some of the laborers who were doing the cultivation, and Guru Maharaj just. He didn't get out of the car. He just wound the window down and he asked one of the devotees there, bring some earth. And they went and brought some earth. He put that on his head and then he made some prayers. And then we went back to the, back to the temple. Uh, that was like the only time I'd ever see, saw him like act, physically go outside of the temple. And, and really, he didn't even come down from his room very much. Only on... Only on um, few festival days, almost always on Gaurapranima, and not always on Janmashtami, but always on Radhastami. And Was it know, due to his health, or just it was his personality to be think, more introverted? I think a bit of both, really. It's a bit yeah. of both. So, you know, at that time, I mean, his health was poor. He was more or less blind. He couldn't see anything. And he oh. could. If he wanted to see something, but he'd have to put it like this close to his face to see it. Yeah. And, um, you know, his health wasn't good, but um, but more or less he was just kind of absorbed in his own bhajan, really, in his, up in his rooms. And if you wanted to see him, you'd go there and see him. And it, even then, it was like in the morning time. You know, we would go for Mongol RT and after the morning program and everything, then we would we would see he's going to speak today or not you know maybe like at eight o'clock in the morning something like that and a lot of the times he didn't want to speak with us and he and but Srila Govinda Maharaj who was always there in the background you know he was he wanted to bring the devotees to Guru Maharaj like that was his thing was like bring all the devotees to Guru Maharaj so then he would persuade Guru Maharaj he would say, Marge, oh, they've all come from so far just to hear from you. Just sit five minutes with them, you know, like, and you may, you don't even have to say anything. You know, if you just sit with them for five minutes, they'll be happy. And Guru Maharaj would say, okay, he would come and sit. And then, in, in, you know, we would sit with him and inevitably he would say, any questions? And, you know, someone, we had, everyone had so many questions. And then, then Guru Maharaj would start speaking and that five minutes would sometimes become like two hours and he would be speaking and like it would be flowing. And, and sometimes he would say, speaking like this with an intimate group of devotees, this is like massage to me. So, you know, like therapy, like therapeutic. So, mm. and what know, was, sorry, yeah. go, go ahead. No. I, um, what, uh, what was the... Um, like, did he ever mention 
what his feelings were of the way he was treated. Uh, and I think he understood that, that he had become villainized by the leaders of ISKCON at that time. And did he mention to you or to the devotees of, of his feelings of, of, about that? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, generally, he would take it in a very humble and lighthearted way, you would say. Or, um, you know, someone would say, oh, they're saying this about you, Marge, or they're saying that about you. And he'd say, only that? <laughs> they, really, they really don't know how bad I actually am. You know, wow. can, what kind of character I have. If they knew that, they could say something but you know then you know there were some very unfortunate events like one of the leaders at that time over in mayapur well, maybe i shouldn't even say this it's too much. but he he um there in nawadi there was uh, a gunda like a gangster who owned the um the ice cream factory in nawadi and it was well known that if you wanted somebody taken out, I mean, killed, you could pay him and he would do the job for you. Wow. And, and not for very much either. A very reasonable cost. So anyway, one of the leaders from Mayapur, they went and approached him and asked, we want you to take out Sridhar Maharaj. Oh they felt so threatened by it. And this is actually true. And, um, and that... Um, Gunda, he knew who Sridhar Maharaj is. So first, first thing was he refused the, to take the contract, if you like. And the second thing was he came and told Sridhar Maharaj, this person has asked me, you know, to like, have you killed? And he said, but you, you are a great sadhu. I, I could never agree to such a thing as that. He said, but, but if you want... I can have him taken out, no oh charge God. at all to you. Oh my gosh. I said, no, no, it's not necessary. How did how did devotees, you know, you and your peers, like how did you deal with you know a society that you basically, you know, joined, but then it became so ugly at some point to to where your faith was flowing very naturally. It was it was such a like a it was so against that in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, there was some anger and some you know, but more or less, at least I can say in my own case, I just closed it. You know, I just it was a, a, a chapter in my life that was now closed. Yeah, I and sad though it was because I had many friends in Escon at that time. I closed the door on that, and I kind of just thought, okay, we're we're just going forward now, you know. We right. wish them well, but we we can't be involved with that any longer. Right. And and that lasted for quite a while, but you know now things are things are very much different, mm. and, I, and I see that you know many of the you know the senior devoted in Iskon who are still around. I mean, let's face it, many senior disciples of Srila Prabhupada aren't around any longer, but those that are and that kind of stayed there through thick and thin, most of them have have very good regard for Srila Sridhar Maharaj and for our mission, Srila Sridhar Maharaj's mission, Chaitanya Sarasat Mahatan. Again, I have many, many friends in in, uh, in ISKCON and, you know, many, 
many of the gurus in Iskon also the you know uh, at the moment who are who are not just favorable to our mission but like you can say really friends of our mission you know so mm. and uh, and w- we don't make any pretense of being in in competition with Iskon or anything like that you know we're not we don't think of you know Iskon is huge and you know it's Christ- by the will of the lord of lord krishna Krishna consciousness is spreading all over the world th- through Iskon, and so we don't have any feeling of um, rivalry. Right. In fact, we we we're thinking of ourselves, as you said, like a cousin organization, perhaps four cousins. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, we you know we we hope that everything will go wonderfully, and you know how can we not have um, appreciation for for Srila Prabhupada's preaching because we don't know anything about Krishna consciousness or Sridhar Maharaj or Govinda Maharaj or Chaitanya Sarasat Maharaj or anything if not for Srila Prabhupada. So, you know, then and we are always um, wanting the very best for um, Iskon and all the devotees there. And uh, and I'm I'm happy to say that in large, generally, that um, Difficult time, and you know when there was many offenses made to Srila Sridhar Maharaj, that that that's gone, that that's over. I think you know there may be a few who have some bad feeling towards Guru Maharaj, and, and but you know that Sridhar Maharaj had nothing but um, but good intention with them. He never won. I think they felt that you know. Let's be clear. I think that that the the leaders at that time they felt like. You know, Srila Sridhar Maharaj is so far and away more knowledgeable than we are. And let's face it, you know, the the the, uh, the leaders were like in their thirties; they'd only been around for a few years, didn't know anything. And Srila Sridhar Maharaj was like even then a veteran sannyasi of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Then they felt threatened by that. They thought, oh, if people start hearing from him, they'll all go to him, mm-hmm. you know, and leave Iskon. But but Guru Maharaj never wanted anything like that. And in fact, that he would have hated that. You know, he didn't want big societies, big position or anything. He wanted to, you know, a small group. And he would say, I can help you as much as I can help you. And that, and not more than that. You know, and he had no ambition to be a big person in anybody's estimation. But so, you know, then I think now. People have understood that, and I think it was more a knee-jerk reaction, out of fear for losing their own position or for you know for for um, uh, diminishing the International Society for Krishna Consciousness standing. Whereas actually, if they'd have continued to hear from Guru Maharaj there, that maybe it would have become greater. I think. Mm-hmm. But anyhow. Um, yeah, it was a difficult time, but like I say, I'm I'm happy to say that it's it's over, um, by and large, and uh, so many. Again, we have so many friends in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and we're really happy about that. Yeah, um, I remember at the opening of the Mat in near Heathrow. Yeah, uh, Tyagi Maharaj said he was speaking, and he said. I think it was Govinda Maharaj or Shri Maharaj had said the only difference between Iskon and us is that 
Iskan dresses better. Iskan dresses better than we do. Yeah, yeah, that was Srila Govinda Maharaj's. All right. He actually, somebody asked him that. Like, what's the difference between you and Iskan? That was his reply. They dress better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about uh, Srila Govinda Maharaj? Because I know yeah. devotees know him as the successor of Srila Sridhar Maharaj, but don't know so much. You did mention, you did touch on that he lived with Srila Sridhar Maharaj and Prabhupada. Yeah, Prabhupada was a grahasta and everything like that. But uh, if you could tell us a little bit of, of he was there during that time when you were yeah being there or visiting. Yeah, he was. But he was a grihasta then. Mm -hmm. He was a uh, and but it, still he was you know like Shilashidamaraj's right hand man. Although mm -hmm. although very self effacing, humble Vaishnava, you wouldn't have known that unless you kind of seen over some time. He was again not never putting himself forward as a big person or anything like that. But he did come, as I mentioned before, to the lotus feet of Sri Lutridamaj in 1947. And he tells us how, you know, that at that time he was um, he was born in in Gormandala, uh, in a in a um, village called Bamanpur, which is um, originally was called Brahmanpur. So they were all Brahmins there. But you know, through the local language and everything, it became Bamanpar. And uh, um, so, as he he grew up, his father was a his father was a guru, a Vaishnav guru, and uh, you know, like family guru, if you like, and very famous kirtan singer at that time. And um, so, and Srila Govinda Maharaj learned to sing kirtan from his father. Excuse me. His father would, but his father wouldn't allow him to learn many of the songs about rasa and so many things. He thought this is like too high for a young boy to learn all these things. So Govinda Maharaj would say, I would just like hide nearby when he was like singing these songs with, with his devotees. And I would like, you know, hide and or pretend I'm reading a book or climb up a tree or this way. I would hide all these things. He said, then my. Then his when his father passed away, he said, "My um, one day my uncle was um, was uh, on the telephone, and um, and he said my uncle was very famous in Bengal as a stick fighter. There's a kind of Bengali martial arts where they fight with sticks, and um, his uncle was very famous uh, at that time for that. And he said, and very like kind of macho man, you know. He said." And and I saw him when he came off the telephone. He's crying, and he said, "I'd never saw him cry in my whole life." Then I asked him, "Uncle, what's wrong?" And he said, "Oh, they came because every year they would invite Govinda Maharaj's father to come and give Bhagavat um, part for like a month at some temple, and then and do kirtan with his group there." And uh, and they he said they asked me um, if we would come this year. And uh, he said, I couldn't tell them that he passed away. It was very close, you know, shortly afterwards. And he said, but we cannot accept the invitation because who, no one else can sing all those songs and knows how to do that. And Govinda Maharaj said, I know those songs. He said, how do you know those songs? You were never taught those songs. And he said, uh, test me. Then he asked him, sing this song by Narottam Dasa. And he had sang the song. 
my perfect meter, perfect everything. Okay, sing this song by Vidyapati, and he knew that song, he sang that song. And he said, then my uncle embraced me, and he said, when they call back, I'll say, I'll tell him he cannot accept the invitation, but his son will accept the invitation. So anyway, this way, Govinda Maharaj, you know, would go like this. But then he was he was staying nearby um, in a in a small town nearby where he was apprenticed to a doctor. And in those days, you know, if you were, if you were, you know like are the apprentice of a doctor after so many years. You become recognized as a doctor yourself in the locality. So this was a kind of his career plan, if you like. And uh, so he's going every morning to, um, you know, prepare the surgeries, to clean it, and everything before the before the clients would come, and then the doctor would come. And he said, then after that, he said, then I go and play football with my friends. And uh, you know, he's like seventeen years old, so he went and. Like football, and he said, and I would nearby there was the house of this big zamindar, and, and he said, um, who was very rich. He said, but he would he liked me, but he was a bit of a, a, a gunda also, like a kind of gangster, um, involved in organized crime and in that small way that they do over there. Then, um, he said, but I he liked me, and I would stay in his house sometimes overnight. He said, he had a big library. And I would read in his library, and he said, yeah, many novels and so on. And sometimes I'd stay overnight. So, but this Zamandar, he also liked sadhus very much. So he's always inviting sadhus, and they're having some program in in his house. And he said, so I would go sometimes, but not so interested in in that. He said, but then one day this group of sadhus came there, and he said, I could see these. They're completely different to the other sadhus that have come. So they're there, and he said, and and so I'm there in the evening with them, and uh, he said, he said, and they're washing my brain. Shila Govindamara said, he said, they're telling, they're telling your mother is nothing, your father is nothing, only Krishna is real, everything else is illusion, and like this, you know. Then he said, this way they're wash. He said, talking this nonsense, washing my brain. He said, but. I cannot deny what they're saying. I cannot deny that what they're saying is true. And he said, so amongst the party, they're doing kirtan. He said, but none of them could play the midanga very nicely. He said, but my father taught me to play the midanga from a young boy. Then he said, I said, can I play? And they said, oh, you can try, you know. And then he said, when they saw how beautifully he played, then they thought, we need to get this boy. We need to take this boy with us for our party. Then they said, oh, we are going back to Navadweep. We are living with one sadhu there. And uh, um, if you want, you can come with us. Will you come with us? And uh, Govinda Maharaj said, I don't know why, but I said yes. I said, yes, I'll come. And then he said, and my nature is, once I've made a promise, I'll never go back on that. And I, he said, I'd never told a, a lie in my entire life. So then he said, then, then I realized what I'd, what I'd committed to. That, you know, I'm going to go back and join their temple. And he said, so I thought, like, how can I get out of this? Then, uh, then he said, so I thought, if I modify my promise a little bit, 
then they'll be able to say, oh, no, it's not possible. We can't take you and I'll escape. So then then after a few days, they were there for like a week doing this program. And after after three or four days, they the brahmachari that liked Trila Govinda Maharaj very much, he said, so coming with us? And Govinda Maharaj said, yes, I, I'm still coming, but you'll have to take me tonight because after tonight it won't be possible. So he thought this way. Because they still had a few days of the program left, they'd be able to say, uh, not possible to take you tonight. Never mind. You know, like he thought this was his plan to get out of it. Then to his surprise, the brahmachari said, okay, then tonight. <laughs> so after the after the program was finished, then they went to about 11 o'clock in the evening. He said, then myself and this brahmachari, we walked from, from I think it was Nandangat where the, where the, um, program was to Navadweep and it's like like 20 miles or something you know we just walked through the night and he said we arrived at the Ganges the other side of the Ganges from where the Chaitanya Sarasat Moth is at about 3.30 in the morning so he said then there's no bridge there's no ferry there's no boat nothing to go across so he said then we have to We'd have to swim across. And he said, I just come in the clothes that I was wearing. He said, so I took them off and I made them into a bundle and swam across the river holding them above my head with that brahmachari. We got to the other side, we dressed. And then we, he said, all this time I'm thinking, you know, he said, from my childhood, I'm hearing about Vashishta Rishi's ashram and, you know, from Ramayana and Mahabharata, all these descriptions of these, great sadhus ashrams and and i'm thinking it's going to be th like this so then then when i came there it was just a field with a with like a, a thatched hut in that field you know and he said that brahmachari could see in my face my disappointment and he said no don't worry it is a small ashram but a big sadhu lives here and then they came this was in the Shinga Tatordashi in 1947. And they arrived there. They arrived there and he said, and he saw Srila Sridharmaraj was chanting Japa, walking up and down outside the thatched hut. That was their first meeting. And uh, and Srila Sridharmaraj said, will you stay? And Govinda Maharaj said, why is, he said, I thought, why is he asking me this? I already said I was going to stay. So, I'm already, I, you know, I've already committed to it. So why he's asking? I said, yes, then I'll stay. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, so to say, you know, then. But within a week, seeing Govinda Maharaj's qualities, Srila Maharaj, he um, decided that if I can train this boy, he can be, he will be my successor in the future. And, you know, 40 years later, that was, that was what happened. What was yeah. your relationship like with Sri uh, Govinda Maharaj? It was really beautiful. I didn't, you know, when, in the time of Guru Maharaj, I didn't know him very well. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I had, I didn't really have any idea, you know, that he was the successor, or maybe I'd heard it, or it didn't really register with me because I never, I never thought the day would be when Sri Maharaj wasn't there any longer. You know? right. But, um, but we did see that Guru Maharaj, he. Um, he gave Srila gave Govinda Maharaj his chair three years before he passed away, which is kind of an unprecedented thing. You know, he made him the Acharya of the moth 
while he was still alive. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm retired from that now. He's the guru of this mission now. He'll give Harinam, he'll give Gayatri, he'll give Sanyas everything from this day onward. And uh, I was there at that time, witnessed that at that time. And Srila Govinda Maharaj gave a very beautiful talk. And he said, that was the day, it was on Bahulastami. And he, um, 1985, I think it was. And uh, and uh, that day, Srila Sri Maharaj had given him Sanyas. And he's always telling, now, Marge, give me more time or, you know, appoint somebody else, I'll serve them. You know, I don't really want to do this. And, you know, like really didn't want to do it. Finally, Srila Sridhar Maharaj said, if you don't accept this chair, tomorrow I will leave my body. Then Govinda Maharaj said, okay, Marge, I'm your goat. You can cut my tail or you can cut my head, whatever you want to do then. So that day, Bahalashtami, which is also the day before Srila Sridhar Maharaj's day, then he gave Govinda Maharaj sannyas and made him sit in his own chair and uh, and made that proclamation and Govinda Maharaj gave this beautiful talk, he said I remember in that talk he said that Vaishnav Tridandi sannyas is Kai Manovakya words you know, uh, mind, words and deeds for the service of Hari he said, but my Tridandi sannyas I say, is the service of Guru Maharaj's deity, the service of Guru Maharaj's mission, and the service of Guru Maharaj's devotees. And he said, and I want you all to know that I'm the garbage can of this temple, and any rubbish you can deposit with me. And it was very, like, heart-rending um, kind of talk he gave that day, but those a few things I remember. And and from that day, you know, like I didn't, I didn't really have, I'll be honest, I didn't have any faith, particularly in Srila Govinda Maharaj at that time, because I didn't know him. And I, my faith was with Srila Sridhar Maharaj, you know, and uh, although previously, all my interaction with Govinda Maharaj was always very nice, very beautiful and very friendly. And, you know, I read, I saw that Govinda, that Srila Sridhar Maharaj never made any decision if Govinda Maharaj wasn't there. Even wow. before his sannyas, you know, like if there was anything to be decided, he would say, "When Govinda Maharaj comes, we'll we'll decide." And then, you know, he would and and some and like so much, he was so much attached to Govinda Maharaj. That Govinda Maharaj, he's married, right? He has three daughters, and he has to go to Calcutta, so he's going to Calcutta, going on the rickshaw to the train station, and then by the time he gets to the train station. Srila Guru Maharaj has sent a brahmachari to intercept him by going, taking a shortcut and saying, no, but you have to go back. Guru Maharaj wants you, doesn't want you to leave. So it's a very, you know, very intimate relationship. And I can say their relationship was like more than just guru-disciple. If you can, you know, like what you would expect a guru-disciple relationship to be, it was all that, but something more than that, you know. Then... Uh, Anyway, uh, then we also, we didn't even, even after he gave the chair to Govinda Maharaj, Guru Maharaj is still there. So it never, it didn't really affect us, his disciples, so much until Srila Sridhar Maharaj's passing in 1988. And then, and then, you know, we started to see who, by installments, if you like, who Govinda Maharaj was. And, uh, 
we, you, you know, like gradually I can say, you know, my faith in him developed, my relationship with him developed. And I got to, and, and I think I actually got to understand more about Srila Sridhar Maharaj through my relationship with him than through directly through my relationship with Srila Sridhar Maharaj. Mm. You know, like, like I had six years association with Srila Sridhar Maharaj. But with Govinda Maharaj, I had over 25 years association with him. So I, I can say, and I, I have no problem to say that substantially, I consider Govinda Maharaj my guru, actually, you know, even more than Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And, and, and I don't think Srila Sridhar Maharaj would be unhappy that I would say that. He'd actually be more happy that I say that. So, you know. We didn't know, but Srila Sridhar Maharaj didn't want to accept any Western disciple at all. He had two, actually. One was Dibyashari uh, lady, and, and one was Jagarendu. One man, one woman. They weren't related or anything, but they were his disciples, first Western disciples. And then when we all kind of came to him en masse, then uh, he said, I'm at the fag end of my life. You know, then how can I actually help these devotees? And when I'm gone, who will take care of them? And Srila Govinda Maharaj said, I'll take care of them, Maharaj, if you will accept them. And, you know, not, maybe not everybody knows that. And that but um, because of the intervention of Srila Govinda Maharaj, he, Srila Maharaj accepted us as his disciples. And really, over 25 years, and he, he, um, Traveled, as you know, around the world. I twenty-three times he traveled around the world. Should have gone in the mind. Wow! And uh, and and of those twenty-three times, he visited our temple in London twenty-three times. Not not every single um, tour, but sometimes twice in one tour. He would come in the beginning and then go on to America or go on to Australia and come back via London again. So, you know, we got a lot of his association in London. And in, in 2000, he gave me charge in London. Um, and, uh, you know, that we only had the one temple then, which is still going in, in our small temple in Green Street in East London. And Srila Govinda Maharaj would come there and he would say, this is my Guru Maharaj's temple. And Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he also wrote us a letter and he said, I consider my, Lon my London mock to be another room of my Navadvip mock. Wow. So, yeah, it was, you know, and so when Govinda Maharaj would come, he would he would consider, oh, this is Guru Maharaj's mock. I mean, Guru Maharaj's mock, you know, then even as the Acharya, men, they made many centers in his name, but London he considered specifically to be Srila Sridhar Maharaj's temple. And Srila Sridhar Maharaj had the deities installed there in 1985, Sri Sri Guru Granga um, and they And they're still there today. We're worshipping them still today. And uh, so, yeah, in, in 2000, he asked me to take charge in London. And uh, so I kind of oversee both temples. We, you know, we, we don't actually have like temple president in Chaitanya Sarasvati Mahaprabhu. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what is that like, the uh, organizational structure like for the society? Yeah, so 
Srila Govinda Maharaj, when, when somebody referred to me as the temple president once, he said, no, I am the president of Chaitanya Sarasvatma. There isn't any other president of Chaitanya Sarasvatma. This is the title president of Sevaita Charja. So he preferred that the the leaders would would be the secretary of that particular area. So I'm the secretary of the London Chaitanya Sarasvatma. Mm. He, he thought it was a more humble, more humble title. <laughs> it, is, it is, I guess, yeah. <laughs> But but having said that, we don't have a very very developed hierarchy in Chaitanya Sarasatma, where I think organizationally, Srila Prabhupada was a genius as far as those things were concerned, and he organized this gone in a very perfect way. And you know, um, I'd say Chaitanya Sarasatma is a bit more free flow, you know then. Um, there's not so much of a hierarchy, so you know that, um, that has its uh, benefits and also its problems. You know, because in a society you need some structure so that everybody knows what they're meant to do and who they're meant to answer to. But you know, in our mission, that's not so developed. So sometimes that but can be quite problematic. But each, like each zone, this is not zone, but like each area kind of functions on their own in the sense yeah. of okay there's a secretary of that area and they're yeah even even in london we have the two centers and i'm the secretary of both but each of them are autonomous so you know then they have their their they're set up as separate charities separate bank accounts separate entities basically you know so mm -hmm. and um but but yeah i mean every our, one of our centers around the world, they're kind of autonomous, really. And um, in the time of Srila Govinda Maharaj, everybody answered to him. But, you know, then after Srila Govinda Maharaj, we're in a different era now. And he named many um, devotees as, as gurus for different areas, although not, not zonal acharjas. That was something that Srila Sridhar Maharaj was very much... Um, Opposed to that zonal charger idea. His idea why, is why was that? Because his idea is that it, that um, okay, organizationally it may make sense, but he said that the the free flow of faith should not be hampered by that. Right. Like for example, if someone is not doesn't have faith in their zonal acharya of that exactly, area, yeah. how could they take shelter of that person when their faith is not there? Is that exactly that right? And that was. And so, you know, he said there must be a, a, a level field that, that the, the, the prospective disciples can hear from all of those who are, um, you know, in that position of acharya or guru. Then they can make a choice according to their heart, not by um, any, not by any diktat or like local, you know, that this is the guru here, so you have to accept them. In fact, in his discussions with uh, the ISKCON leaders back in the 1980s, that was one of the questions they asked was, if somebody is, you know, like forced to take initiation from a guru that they don't really have any faith in, what what will happen? What will be their, you know, fate, basically? And Sridhar Maharaj's reply was, if they have no faith in that person, they can make no spiritual progress at all in this life. Uh, you know that's it's kind of the all-important thing isn't it right that's the first principle 
of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is the acceptance of a spiritual master. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's like the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life. I often say to people, you know, if you decide that you're going to get married, you don't just walk out in the street and ask the first girl you meet, should we get married? You know, or hopefully not anyway. <laughs> but, you know, you will want to see, is this person compatible with me? Is the, what kind of qualities do they have? You know, like what's the what are the what are the chances of this being a, a successful relationship in whichever way you look at that? So you know, if that's if you're going to do that with a, with a marriage partner, then accepting a guru is even more important than that. You know, marriage is just for now, but our our spiritual master connection with the spiritual master is our eternal life connection with Krishna. So, you know, you don't, not just the first guy that comes along with a saffron cloth and a danda, uh, yeah, okay, or whoever it may be, you know, then there should be some, as Guru Maharaj said, some free flow of faith that has to be there, like essential to the guru-disciple relationship. Right. Um, I remember uh, on Facebook there was a, 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 it like of the, I think it was in the London Temple there is some Sheila there and you had told me the story of that. Would you mind telling the story of that uh, of that deity? Um, I'm not sure what you're referring to. It was uh, I think it was a Govardhan Sheila. Okay, I mean. There's not much story to that, really, but I have a Govardhan Sheila, which Sheila Sheila might be me. Maybe it was that. Yeah, maybe it was that, yeah. So, yeah, that was... When I um, when we established the temple in London and the deities were installed there, uh, Radha, Shamsunda, and Mahaprabhu, then we wanted to, um, you know... I was... Previously, I was a, a Pujari in ISKCON, so, you know, I had some experience with that. So I was kind of became the de facto pujari for the London temple. But but I knew that in Navadweep the worship is, was slightly different to how we'd learned in ISKCON. So so then um, the, the sannyasi was in charge there. He arranged with Guru Maharaj, you can go to, to um, India, to Navadweep, and they'll teach you that process, you know, as was established by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur. I did that, went there, and then I when I came back, then I um, after some time, I uh, I had a desire to enter into the Grihasta ashram, and uh, so I asked Guru Maharaj's permission. But you know, it wasn't just like, you know, I'm going to find some girl and we can get married. But you know, then, you know, everything that goes along with that. We don't, we don't, we weren't a wealthy society that that the householder. Um, disciples can all live in the temple and you know like have some allowance or whatever if you're going to get married you have to find a job and you have to get a home and you have to do all these things which you know the normal kind of things that people do when they get married so so I asked Guru Maharaj's permission and he very graciously sent me a reply saying yes you may do that he said but just remember that that independence is the demon that takes us away from Krishna's service. Okay. Wow. Trying to remember that, then I 
started to proceed. But so that, anyway, that meant that that um, gradually my service as the pujari became less, and other services instead. So then, um, then I wasn't doing the the um, archan service in the temple, but I liked to do that service. So I asked Guru Maharaj, "Can I worship a deity in my home?" And he. And I, I already had from a long time ago. I had Gornitai, small Gornitai, and uh, and Jagannath Baladev Subhadra, which I made myself when I was a kid, carved them and painted them myself. So I had them, and I'm thinking, you know, with Guru Maharaj's permission, I'll worship them. So anyway, I asked Guru Maharaj in a letter. I asked Guru Maharaj's permission. The letter, the reply came back. Hari Nam is our guru, is our deity. No other deity is necessary in, in Kali Yuga. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> so, but, but if you want to do some Archan Seva, then we can discuss next time you come to Navadip. So, all right. So later that year, I came there to Navadip, and it was... Um, we'd all, I'd always go like October, November time with Prashida Shudamaraj's Vyasa Puja. And like a maybe a week or two after is... is the Anukut, Govardhan Puja. So I arrived there and I said to Guru Maharaj, oh, you, I, I asked you in that letter about Archan and you said, yes, we, we can discuss when you, when you come. So, you know, here I am. You know, and then Guru Maharaj said, okay. And he more or less was like, dismissed me from that. Okay. And then I thought, okay, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to like ask anymore. So then the, the day of Govardhan Puja came. And uh, um, Guru Maharaj gave a talk in the morning, and then so after the talk, we were going to take breakfast. And but as I'm going back to my room, then Guru Maharaj's secretary comes running and says, "Oh, Guru Maharaj wants to see you." Oh dear, what have I done now? Have I done something wrong? <laughs> then then I went upstairs to Guru Maharaj, and he has this. Uh, I think they call it like a plantation chair. It's like with these big flat wooden arms and he's sitting in that chair then on the chair in a in a white cotton cloth there's a small like this size like govardhan shila and some radha kundamala made from the clay of radha kund there and i made my obeisances and the groomer said oh so you asked about doing some archan seva in your home i said yes Maharaj. he said so he said my Guru Maharaj liked that the Grihasta devotees, they worship Govardhan Shila. And I was a little like in awe of that, you know, like a Shila. Like Gornitai, that seems safe to me, you know. Like, but, <laughs> Shila. Okay, then uh, I thought, like, what have I let myself in for here? So I can see them there. And then he said, said so Mahaprabhu gave uh, Govardhan Shila to. to uh, Raghunath Das Goswami, I'm giving to you. Oh, okay. Then he showed them and he said, This is this is the Govardhan Shila and this is the Radha Kunmala. So the generally two um the Radha Kunmala or the Gunja Mala from the Gunja berries that grow in Radha Kun, they are considered to be non different from Srimati Radharani. So and you know there are two kind. There's two types of worship of Govardhan. One is without the representation of Radharani as the um, 
Haridasa Bhagya, you know, the uh, supreme servitor of Krishna. And the other is as Krishna himself with Srimati Radharani. So this he gave me. Then I said, like, is it, how do I worship them? Is it, how do I worship them? And he said, it is hard. But I heard, it is hard. And I said, it's hard? <laughs> and uh, and Guru said, no, not hard, heart. Said, Krishna likes hearts, not so much brains. And I thought, oh, okay, this is good. <laughs> then, uh, then he said, you can just uh, every day offer Tulsi leaf and Ganges water, and he'll be happy. And whatever you eat, you can offer to him. All right. Then, uh, then I said, um, should I should I bathe him? And he said, no, not necessary. If you want to, you can, but not necessary. Then I said, but whatever I like start, I have to like maintain that. All. And Guru said, no, no, it is household deity for at the convenience of the household. It is not like strict any strict thing you have to follow. I said, oh, okay. Then. Uh, and he told me a few other things, and he said, but in the worship, always remember that the holy name is the most essential thing in Kali Juga. Without the holy name, he said, then that worship may just be like waving some burning sticks, like kind of nothing, you know, like meaning nothing. So right. then, uh, okay, then he gave them to me, and uh, I took them home. And for a while, I, whenever I would go to India, still I wasn't married at that time, so when, uh, whenever I would go to India, I used to carry them in a pouch around my neck. But then uh, they, in the, going through immigration and customs, they used to mess with them sometimes, you know, then that was kind of unhappy. And Guru Maharaj said, no, not necessary to always bring them with you. You, know, you can, can just keep them at home and then, you know, even if someone else can do the worship, then good. But if not, you can just put them to rest and you know resume when you return. Okay, then uh, then I asked Guru Maharaj, so uh, what? No, actually Guru Maharaj's secretary. He said, so what name are for them? Maharaj? What are their names? And Guru Maharaj said, he thought for a moment, then he said, Giridhari Gopina. <laughs> Everything is contained in this name, and then he said, must have repeated it like ten times. Giridhari Gopina, Giridhari Gopina, Giridhari Gopina. Wow. and uh, that was my <laughs> how I was given the Giriraj Govardhan. Actually, and how they came there to 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 be in Guru Maharaj's mot in Navadweep was also a story that some devotees from Iskon they they um, came with like a sack of Shalagram Shilas that they'd collected, like a big cloth sack, and they came to so show them to Sri Sridhar Maharaj. And uh, they thought that, you know, when Guru Maharaj saw, he'd just be like, Jai, that's great, you know. That, But when Guru Maharaj saw them, he was like, oh, okay. Um, and he asked that devotee, like, what do you intend to do with these Shalagrams? And uh, they said, oh, we're going to worship them. And Guru Maharaj said, no, I can't allow you to do that. So he said, uh, you have to give them to me. And they gave him to Guru Maharaj. And in that sack, there were three Govardhan Shilas as well as the Shalagram Shilas. Then, uh, then the, those Shalagrams, they were put in a high place. And, uh, and Guru Maharaj would say, 
like every day for maybe two weeks, you say, who can I find that's qualified to worship these shalagrams? What will I do with these shalagrams? And then one of the devotees said, someone can take them back and put them in the Gandaki, back in the river. And Guru Maharaj said, yes, that's what we should do. Who can do that? And one of our devotees who was there at that time, Mahananda Prabhu, who is now Bhakti Ranjan Madhusudan Maharaj. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. He was volunteered. He didn't volunteer. He was volunteered. <laughs> he said, oh, Mahananda Prabhu, he can take them. And then, uh, and then Mahananda Prabhu, as he was then, he came. He was called and Guru Maharaj said, can you take them, these shalagrams, back to, back to Nepal, to the Gandaki River? And will you do it? And yeah, yes, Maharaj, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he said, When will you when can you start? When can you leave? Tomorrow? Can you leave tomorrow? <laughs> okay. And that's what he did. He took them by himself. He carried them all the way to Nepal to the Gandaki River and placed them back in the river. And uh but the three Govardhan Sheilas Guru Maharaj kept them there. And one of those he gave to me. And Others he gave to other disciples. And you oh, still yeah. have that shield. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, he's uh, my... <laughs> we live in his house, let's say. We, we, we try to think in that way, at least. You know, wow. His house. Beautiful. So, yeah. I also remember, I think there was a picture on Facebook uh, with Srila Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj doing... Puja, and there's a picture of like Radhagokulananda from the manor. Yeah. Could you tell us about your interaction with him also? Yeah. Sometimes Guru Maharaj would send me to visit his god brothers, usually with a letter, you know, like some letter that he wants to communicate something. I never knew what was the content of that. But anyway, Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, when he was would stay in Calcutta, he stayed at Madhav Maharaj's Mart, which is near Kaliga. So then one day I was sent to go there and uh, and I arrived late in the evening so I stayed over there. And it was a letter for for Shilapur. and in the morning he's doing he wants to do his puja every day. He was like considered the authority on on deity worship in the Gaudiya Mall. And uh, even when in Navadweep when the uh, Lakshmi Varaha Shila came there Guru Maharaj had him come and, uh, you know, like verify, yes, it's Varaha Dev, you know, and this type of worship should be done and so on. He was very expert in all of those things. So so he has um, two Shilas, Gobradan Shilas, that he worships there every day. And so he, he asked me if I would assist him. So like bringing water, bringing this, bringing Tulsi, bringing all these things. So, and I see... On the wall, he has an old picture, poster of Radha Gokulananda from, from Bhaktivedanta Manor in a frame, you know. And I've seen that poster. I, I actually have a copy of that poster somewhere. But it was very, you know, like early days of that worship um, from the manor. And, uh, and he had that on the wall. But it's not just like decorating his wall. He's doing puja to that every morning. So he's putting Tulsi on Krishna's feet, Tulsi on Radharani's hand, and, you know, like telling mantra and everything. And also, you know how many devotees, I don't know if it's still the 
the um, the fashion, but it was when I was in ISKCON that devotees would have um, a badge or a button, as you say, there with a picture of a deity on their bead bag. <laughs> so, so uh, um, someone, so, some devotee from ISKCON had given had given Puri Maharaj one of these buttons with a picture of Jagannath on it. So he's taken that button and in, instead of like putting it on his bead bag or somewhere, he it, it's in a singhasan in in his room and he's doing puja to that button every morning. Oh and it, as he's doing it, he's looking at me and laughing and saying, it's gone Jagannath. It is, it's gone Jagannath. <laughs> <laughs> Is such a beautiful devotee. I uh, met him many times, and one time I gave him a, a bottle of Ribena. Do you know Ribena? That yeah, uh, Ribena, yeah, that yeah. current drink, you know. So yeah. I gave him as a gift because I bought it with me, and I gave him as a gift. And uh, and he just started crying and saying, "Oh, you've given me something so like so valuable, and I've got nothing to give you at all. I have nothing to give you in return." <laughs> And I was Maharaj, this is nothing, you know, like it, you give some mercy to me. Wow. More than I more than enough. But he was really beautiful. Also, like senior to Guru Maharaj, but he considered Shilashridha Maharaj, he's like his guru, he considered like that, you know. And wrote many things about Shilashridha Maharaj and spoke many things. He would come to the mosque. In fact, he he told that you know, at the time of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur's passing, then Srila Sridhar Maharaj was asked to sing Sri Rupa Manjari Pada mm -hmm. on the night before his passing, which is, as we know, is considered to be the highest song of our, you know, the Gaudiya canon, if you like, the highest song. And, uh, and Srila Guru Maharaj said, I'm not a good singer. He said, I was a good dancer. In the Kirtan, I'm a very good dancer. And we we also saw Guru Maharaj, even in his last years, sometimes dance in the kirtan. It was really beautiful to watch. But but anyway, so he said, so I'm hesitating to sing when Prabhupada asked me. Then then uh, Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, he was considered like maybe the best kirtan leader in the whole of the Gaudiya Moth at, at that time. Then then uh, Kunja Babu, who later became Bhakti Vilas Chirtamaraj. He was Sarasri Thakur's secretary. And everyone was submissive to him, even the sannyasis, everyone. Whatever he said, they had to follow that. So, so then when he saw Guru Maharaj hesitating, he asked Puri Maharaj, you sing, you sing. And then so Puri Maharaj began singing Sri Rupa Manjari. After maybe two or three lines, then Prabhupada Sarasri Thakur said, no, no, stop, stop, stop. I don't want to hear the sweet song. I want to hear Sri Dharmaraj. Then Guru Maharaj sang that song. And, uh, you know, just before Sarasri Thakur's passing. And Pramod Puri Maharaj, he wrote a letter to Srila to Sri Maharaj. And there he said, that day when you sang that song, said, we witnessed uh, a, a mystical transference of power. This is my feeling, that he has made you the head of the Rupanuga Sampradaya. And he said, therefore, I consider you Rupanuga Dhara. 
Dara means like current, the current of the Rupanuga Sampradaya coming through you. And almost everyone, maybe everyone, as far as I'm aware, that would witness that, they all considered that. And said, many said it was his, uh, your initiation into Rasa Seva, they told Srila Sridhar. Anyway, so yeah, then Puri Maharaj would come. Many times he came when I was to the moth on Guru Maharaj's Vyasa Puja day or sometimes just to visit Guru Maharaj. And Guru Maharaj would say, ask him to speak. And he would say, even if he speaks in Bengali, because he can speak very nice English, but, he said, but even if he speaks in Bengali, you give your attention to that because his vibration is so pure, you must benefit, even if you can't understand what it is that he's saying. Wow. Yes. I, I actually was very fortunate, met many of Srila Sridhar Maharaj's and Srila Prabhupada's godbrothers in their last days. Madhusudan Maharaj, Madhav Maharaj, um, Goswami Maharaj, Paramahansa Maharaj, Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj, and others. Wow. What is your... I wanted to ask you, what is your... Um, realizations from observing meeting all these amazing vaishnavas that we hear so many amazing stories about what did you kind of take from them what do you hold from them to this day from observing them and kind of interacting with them yeah i mean i have to say i mean my interaction with them was kind of minimal really you know but i did witness them and their relationship with guru maharaj and they're very, I mean, really, it's a different era, you know, a really a different era of Vaishnava. And maybe we won't see those kind of Vaishnavas again. I don't know. But um, really, I mean, very high and very um, beautiful, all very beautiful devotees. And, you know, like to think, that sometimes they say, you know, that people would say that, uh, oh, Prabhupada was the, the the only good disciple of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur. Not only is that like impossible for us to believe after meeting them, that, but uh, it's actually an insult to Sarasati Thakur that he could only make one good Vaishnava of, of, from his disciples. I mean, seriously, they, okay. No one did what Srila Prabhupada did, and no and no one is uh, ever claims that. Right. You know, his position in our Gaudiya history is unique. But but you know, these Vaishnavas, they're I mean, really they're Vaishnavas that you read about in Chaitanya Charitamrita, you know, when you hear about Mahaprabhu's association uh, associates, and you see these are devotees like that. Like so beautiful and so, with such um, high realization, and I remember of all of them, actually, I think that um, Bhakti Bichar Jajimarj, he was Sridhar Maharaj's closest friend. He was the last person to take sannyas from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, and uh, he was very young when he took sannyas, maybe still in his twenties. And uh, on the day, the night before his sannyas, um, he, you know, kind of like got cold feet. And uh, 
and came to Sarasri Thakur, you know, like in tears. I don't think I can do this. You know, I really don't think I can do this. And Sarasri Thakur said, no, you have nothing to fear because you're taking shelter of he who fear himself is afraid of. But don't have any fear. Anyway, he took sannyas and he's very close with Guru Maharaj and came to visit Guru Maharaj maybe more than any of the other god brothers that I that I met. Maybe Madhusudan Maharaj also very often coming, but Jajava Maharaj coming a lot. And he didn't speak any English at all. But he saw me coming also a lot there. And then one day he uh, he called me over and he's speaking to me in Bengali and I can't understand anything he's saying. But his servant, whose name is Ram Chandra Prabhu, he, he could speak a little bit, a little bit in uh, English. And so he had a book an English book that was published by the Gaudiya Mark. I think it's called Path to God Realization or something like that. I already had that book, but but he wants to give me that book, Judge Ramaj. So he gave that book to me. I took it on my head. And uh, and it very, you know, very um, happily um, we had that kind of interaction. I remember him asking one of our sannyasis who who can speaks Bengali very fluently, uh, but a Westerner, you know, and then he asked him, so uh, what will you say that that in some Purana it's, it is told that uh, that when Krishna was with the, um, maybe this is going to be a bit of a controversial thing to say, when, it, when Krishna was sheltering the devotees under Govardhan Hill, that that uh, the food ran out, so that they so they they had to eat the buffalo. He said it's mentioned in some Purana. This has been mentioned. How, how will you how will you like uh, explain that to anyone? And uh, and that Sanyasi he said he's trying to think what the answer could be, and he said it is a chintya, it is a chintya, inconceivable. And Joshua Maharaj said. And that'll be your answer to everything you can't, you don't know the answer to, isn't it? <laughs> it is a chintya. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, so, and of course, Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj, he was also another, like, real standout devotee, as everyone's, I think everyone more or less has heard about him. Right. He would come and visit Guru Maharaj a lot. And always like so like jolly and laughing and and coming to Guru Maharaj and and uh, Guru Maharaj had some very like uh, beautiful relationship with him. Sometimes one time he kicked him out of the temple. Krishna Krishna He came there because he liked Kirtan so much. Sometimes he would he would go and hear the Sahajya Kirtan. To like learn a tune or something, something you know. Then, and Guru Maharaj said, told him once, our Guru Maharaj would not approve of you going to hear the Sahajya Kirtan. You know, then, not he's, no one's thinking that he's going to be like fall down after hearing that or something. So, but Guru Maharaj would not allow this. Then, uh, and he said, and if you again go, you cannot stay in this mosque. And again, he went to this. And he came back, and Guru Maharaj said, "Oh, I heard again you went to the Sahajya Kirtan." And he said, "Yes, Maharaj, I went." Then you have to get out of this temple. You have to leave this temple. 
then he left the temple and uh, and he, as he's walking down the road, then I think he, it was Madhav Maharaj, he bumped into Madhav Maharaj and Madhav Maharaj said, oh, where are you going? He said, oh, Sridhar Maharaj just kicked me out of the temple. <laughs> Why? He said, "Why?" Well, he said, because I was listening to the Sahajya Kirtan, attending the Sahajya Kirtan. And Madhav Maharaj said, oh, that is, then he is right. Yeah. Anyway, the next, then the next day, he came back. He's back in the temple, you know, sitting there. And Guru Maharaj said, didn't I t ask you to leave? And he said, yes, Maharaj, I left. But you didn't say I couldn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Guru Maharaj said, okay, fair enough. <laughs> wow. And well, was, uh, uh, sorry, Guru, yeah. No, no, I'm just, we're just running out of time, but um, maybe we can do a part two sometime, talk about all the other amazing personalities that you met. I really, really appreciate you um, coming on and talking these amazing historical accounts of Srila uh, Sridhar Maharaj, Srila Govinda Maharaj, and all the other uh, disciples of Srila uh, Saraswati Thakur. And um, yeah, but uh, wow. I'm just uh, speechless, honestly, about all the different stories. You more stories you must have of all these. Have you documented yeah. any of these things yourself? I haven't actually, you know. But uh, there, there are those who say that I should. But um, and uh, maybe I should because they are things that maybe you'll you'll get lost. You know. Otherwise. Totally, totally. I mean, yeah. Maybe we can document some of them here on the podcast. Uh, yeah, on, on a part two. But um, any concluding words, uh, Devashish Prabhu? Um, I don't know what can I say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot there. No. Well, Shilashridhar Maharaj he said, when I left the company of my godbrothers to go and live alone, I had to consider, like, what is the very most essential thing in the life of a Vaishnava, more essential than anything else? And he said, by prayer, introspection, and by studying the scripture, it came. It came to me that Sharanagati, that is the most essential thing in the life of a devotee. And of course, Sri Sridharmaraj, then he composed Rupanajivan Amrita. And and really, Srila Govindamaraj, he says, that is, you know, like a holy script which has manifested from the pen of Srila Sridharmaraj. And she's graciously manifested in the world. And really that's the 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 book, if you want to understand Sharanagati, and and uh, um, I highly advise the devotees to all the devotees to try and read that if you can and study that. Um, I read it every day, and um, uh, and remember, Srila Prabhupada also used to read this book often, and and wanted his sister, got his sister, to pay for the first publication of that. So. I believe Srila Prabhupada carried it with him on the Jaladuta. Is that right? I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. I, I mean, I don't want to say that as a fact because I don't know, but I had right. heard it before. Yeah. So, right, right. Um, so really, you know, that as devotees, all of us, we have to, we have to try and um, cultivate Sharanagati. We have to try and cultivate this as the most essential um, thing in the life of of all devotees, how to surrender to the Lord. And because it's not natural to us in our conditioned state, it's something that we have to return to again and again and again. And without that, our devotion may just be superficial. And really, if we were serious about Krishna consciousness, 
we have to try to dive deep into that we haven't got anything else really worth aspiring for in this world so mm. that's what i if i've learned anything from guru maharaj it's we should try to cultivate sharanagati and if i learned anything from Srila govinda maharaj that is the proper way to do that is with humility tolerance and giving honor to all and not expecting any honor for ourselves wow we got a taste of we got a taste there of your wisdom which we didn't really we heard a lot of accounts but not so much your wisdom wisdom but thank you so much for for sharing that and hopefully in a part two we can get more of that wisdom from you your experiences and 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 uh all that thank you so much prabhu for 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 that it's my great privilege i can speak all day about groomer if you, got, if yes. you let me Yes, wonderful. So if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Devashish Prabhu, you can see his email here on the screen for our audio listeners. It's D-E-V-A-S-H-I-S-E-W-I-N-S, Devashish Ewins at yahoo.co.uk. You can get in touch with him there uh, if you have any questions for him. Um, and uh, we, we, I'm really hoping we have a, we have a part two, Prabhu. Um, and I hope that uh, next time I come to uh, England, I can, I can have your association again. I hope so too, Namaraz yes. Prabhu. Okay, so please stay on, Prabhu. Um, I'm just yeah. going to turn off the recording. Hare Krishna, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare.